Daddy Podcast. Welcome to the Coffee with Kareem podcast. Kareem's here with my co-host, Noman. Welcome, Noman. How you doing today, buddy? What's going on, everybody? Happy to be here. I'm doing good, Kareem. How are you? How is, uh, how's things been with you? Things are pretty good, bro. But, uh, you know, it's not, right? Everybody is um, watching the news. And uh, I told you before, like, I typically don't like to do episodes on politics, but... Um, you know, what's happening in Israel, Palestine just goes beyond politics at this point. You know, to me, it's existential, it's spiritual, it's humanistic, it's geopolitical, it's cultural, it's it's about humanity, man. It's about justice, about truth. It's about, and then we maybe can get into the fun or religious stuff like eschatology, because I think a lot of people who minimize religion in our times forget that for most of the planet, it's still a big deal. And people are still, you know, holding their values, their stories, their, you know, um, their prophecies very, you know, close to their heart. Right. And for most of human history, like religion has been a integral part of the human story, right? Like, regardless of what religion it may be, because there have been so many pagan religions, and this dates back to like thousands of years, you know, I was just listening to a podcast with Graham Hancock and Joe Rogan, where they were talking about how in, I believe it was in the Amazon rainforest, they found like these statues and and structures that depict like shaman spiritual uh, uh, gatherings that would take place, right? And this is like thousands of years old. So the idea that, this idea that, you know, religion is no longer important in today's day and age because of technology, politics, whatever, is like that is such a naive way to look at it because in fact religion has been a very important part of the human story absolutely dude you can't talk about human history without religion right Mm. um or understanding anything about us (laughs) right but yeah man like you know the first thing is like it's october 7th what's today november 12 right so we're looking at over a month now and i just remember the first time seeing what happened on October 7th, I just thought to myself, this is not good. You know, that was the first thought I had. And then of course you start going into questions like, why are they doing this? What is Hamas's intention? At the same time, you know, you understand from their perspective, being psychologically defeated, oppressed, occupied, living in this open air prison, that it was a military resistance, response, rebellion, whatever you want to call it, right? And so some people, we have to understand psychologically, they get to the point where life is not worth living anymore. It's, you know, war is better than oppression, right? And that's a construct that human beings, I think, can relate to, right? It's sometimes it's, they just, there's nothing, there's no reason to keep living like this. And so they went off and did what they did. And naturally, anybody who kills civilians, it's a crappy situation. And it's not something that Islam uh, promotes. It's not something that any human with basic, you know, heart would promote. Um, And then there's the numbers like, is it was it 1400 civilians who died or was it mostly military? You know, we know there's been a lot of correction in the facts, but I don't want to get into all that stuff. What I wanted to start off with first was what really inspired me here was, uh, I actually had a friend that I grew up with in Massachusetts contact me and we had a discussion. Um, And I realized in this conversation, like what was happening and naturally watching YouTube videos and news and seeing things, you're realizing this is a very different time for the Palestinian Israeli conflict in the global consciousness, right? It's not like the last 67 years or 75 years this is like much bigger and and a turning event. And so much so that an old friend that I went to high school with contacted me and was like, dude, I didn't even know all this stuff was going on. And, and he starts sharing like what he's been learning and him and his wife too. His wife even got on the call because they know I'm Arab Muslim. And they were like, did you know all this? I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm Arab Muslim. Like I grew up with this. The town I grew up in was predominantly Jewish, by the way. So there was Orthodox Jews there. There were reformists. And every year there were always Jewish kids who would go to Israel 
for that, you know, one year heritage or the summer birthright. heritage, you yeah. know, I, the birthright, yeah, identity trip or whatever. So that was something that I observed in my high school. And people coming back with sometimes more militant or pro-Israeli or whatever attitudes. And these were just kids that were born and raised in Massachusetts, had nothing to do with the Middle East, don't even know what homeless is, but they're going to Israel, hmm. right? And uh, so that was just a big awakening for me, like having this guy who contacted me and his wife, and they were just processing this stuff. And then they were processing another really interesting point, which was, except for other minorities around them, because a lot of their friends remain Jewish, right? Because they still live in that area where we grew up. Sure. They're all pro-Israeli. And they're saying like, we're seeing true colors of people, things that people we never thought they would say or how they would interpret these events. And it's also making them feel very isolated. You follow? Mm. And so I was like, wow, dude, like that's unbelievable that this is, you know, an experience that these guys are having it has nothing to do with religion, right? They're not Muslim. They're, they don't share this worldview at all. And so we started talking about why this is, uh, what's happening, how is it happening and why, right? And naturally we got into a lot of these discussions in history and they were just, again, they felt, they literally used the word ashamed. They're like, we feel ashamed that we didn't know about all of this. Wow. And so I thought like, maybe it's a calling, like, it would be important to maybe have a conversation about this on the podcast because mm. everybody else is, and uh, it's something you can't just keep quiet about, right? Right. But um, yeah, man, it's. Uh, I, I don't want to go into like history lessons today. Like, I think a lot of people today, just from what we're seeing, have learned that stuff. Like, they've gone and tried to do some more research and understand like what is this about? Why is it happening? Um, and now, what it comes down to is you know, what's going to happen next? Um, and why is it happening in the way that it is? Mm. What, why is American Israel so connected on this front? Mm. Uh, and now we're also seeing, I mean, I think it's the most marches probably ever for the Palestinian Israeli cause globally, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Talking Europe, it's happening. London has been crazy. Paris, um, Rome, I believe, Germany. Uh, and Here then, of the course, US. all over the world, United States, yeah. it's been wild. And what's even more breathtaking or beautiful is seeing how many Jewish people, Orthodox Jews, uh, Jews for life, like all these different organizations coming together to say, like, ceasefire, this is not in our name. And it's certainly not in the name of Judaism, which is really important for us to distinguish mm. Zionism versus Judaism, mm. right? And uh, even a percentage of the Israeli population themselves aren't necessarily supporters of what the military and the government are sure. doing there. Can you make uh, a but, quick distinction between Zionism and Judaism, just for those who, who are listening and may not understand the difference between the two? Of course. So Judaism, as we know, is a faith-based tradition. It's a religion. You know, people follow the Torah. They believe in one God. They believe in prophets like Moses and David and Solomon and you know, uh, we have a lot in common with Judaism. Um, and Zionism is a nationalistic, even you could say ethnocentric ideology hmm. that's about creating a state for the Jewish people. So as Japan is to the Japanese people, Israel, they want a place that will be a country for the Jewish people. Hmm. Now, what's really interesting on that front is of course, after the collective trauma of Holocaust and after World War II, yes. I can totally empathize with Jews being like, we need to get out of here and we need to go find a place where we can be safe. And why not go back to that biblical land, right? And so again, I don't want to get into history with the British and sure. how they set all that up and mm -hmm. what was their intent with all that. Yeah. But the point here is that um, even there's... I've. I know for a fact that there are Jewish people, including rabbis, who they don't support not what not only what the state of Israel is doing, but the existence of the state of Israel itself because of their religious beliefs. Like some actually have this doctrine of they have been divinely exiled mm -hmm. and some of them, then they can't actually return until their Messiah comes right. versus being there before the Messiah comes. 
Um, but that's what makes it interesting in eschatology, right? Because Christians, evangelical Christians specifically, who are the largest supporters of Israel, the state of Israel from the United States, mm-hmm. they actually want the Jews to be there because in their eschatology, Jesus won't return, peace be upon him, until the children of Israel return to their land. So you have this difference even in the group of Jews and why they're there, should they be there? And if they're there, what should they be doing? Just like you have the militant side, which is saying, you know, we want this to be a total, totally free Jewish state. And I would say the hardcore Zionists, they actually don't believe in a two-state solution. They want it to be all Jewish. All Jewish. Right? So like, um, they're not yeah. looking for... Mm-hmm diversity in that sense and to under to like really like solidify the zionist uh ideology would that be equivalent to let's say the khawarij in islamic history like the deviants in islamic history right like the whether it's like whether it's like the isis types where they have this ideology that they want to just almost like take over the world in an un-islamic way and just like we're going to rule everything we don't care what you say is that sort of the same concept the Khawadij and the Zionist like I mean, that's like that's our Zionist how... right right like almost like yeah like if we have like ISIS or crazy terrorist groups or whatever you know those terrorist groups believe they're bringing back let's say the Islamic Khilafah or Empire like they genuinely believe that and other Muslims may look at that and be like you guys are nuts or this is not the way you're going to accomplish this or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, it's, it's a, it's, there is a lot of differing opinions from my understanding. Right. Um, but it is, if you really look into the doctrine, I mean, people who with more knowledge than myself have said, like there is a lot of racial undertones to it being an exclusive state for the Jewish people, mm-hmm. taking a religion and making it now a nationality is what happened here with Zionism. Right? right, Jews didn't consider themselves a national a national uh, um, group. They were a religious group. Religious, right? And that's right. why you have white Jews and black Jews and brown Jews, and you know, it's like Muslims or Christians, right? So, um, I, w- I wanted to follow up on when you mentioned how the Jewish belief of being in the state of Israel. You have certain Jews, like the Jews who are marching for Palestine. You have those Jews who believe that the reason they cannot establish a state of Israel is because they've been exiled from the land and they're banned from establishing the state of Israel until their Messiah comes. Then you have evangelical evangelical Christians who believe that Jesus will not return until the children of Israel return to the state of Israel, right? And that's why evangelical Christians support the state of Israel. They support this idea of, 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 of Jews being in Israel. So then what would be the Islamic understanding of, let's say, why, why this is happening in the first place? Why is it that the Jews uh, were moved back to the state of Israel after the Holocaust and why this is why this fighting has been going on for 75 plus years, right? And what it means for like end of times as well. Yeah. Look, Allah knows best. And again, Islam doesn't necessarily have as a tradition commentary on every geopolitical event as it's occurred mm-hmm. in the last 75 years, mm-hmm. right? Um, but what we do have in common with the Christians is believing in the return of Isa, Jesus, son of Mary, as the Messiah. And that when he returns, he will bring justice and peace. Um, and that the true believers of Jesus will follow him. Right? So from the Christian perspective, what's kind of twisted about it, or at least the evangelicals who are pro-Israeli state and Zionism is... Mm-hmm. They want all the Christians to go back there so that Jesus could come back and then basically get rid of them. And then they will inherit mm. the Holy Land. Right? The, the Muslims believe Christians, Jesus will come back. Yeah. The evangelical Christians, they want the yeah. Jews to go back to the state of Israel so that they can end up eliminating yes. them. Once Jesus returns. <laughs> right? Because okay. they, they already they already don't they already know that Jews don't accept Jesus. Yes. Yeah. That's what makes them Jews right now, yeah. right? They didn't accept Jesus as the Messiah when he came, or at least most of them did it. Some of them did. Mm. And then they became the Muslims of the time from our narrative, right? Or the Christians of the time. So that's what's twisted about it is mm. it's like, 
you know, and you, and you, I saw once an interview of a, you know, and some of the Jewish people were like, look, uh, we don't, you know, what do you think that that's what the evangelicals believe? In other words, they're using you. Mm-hmm. They want you guys to be there, but only so they can fulfill their own end of time Armageddon Christian victory over mm-hmm. you. And of course, from a Jewish perspective, it's like, well, you can believe whatever you want. We'll take the money. We'll take the support. We get our own state and we'll see what happens, right? Because they have their own version of what's going to happen, which is the Messiah will come back. And it's more, they understand it as a king Messiah. So a Messiah that will establish a new kingdom of Jerusalem, build the new temple, and will probably do something similar, right? If you don't follow that Messiah at the time, or they will triumph over their enemies. And naturally, if you're a Zionist, you probably see Muslims and Arabs and even Christians as your religious enemies Mm. in that sense, right? Um, And so that's an interesting distinction because even in the Bible, when Isa came, the, the children of Israel who sold him out and went to the Romans, even went to the Roman emperor and said, there's a man amongst us who's claiming to be the king of Bani Israel because they were expecting the Messiah to be a king. But Isa was very humble, aesthetic, hmm. uh, you know, didn't have much, was a carpenter, a shepherd. Yeah, like, so he wasn't the king. They're hmm. expecting a descendant from David, which is actually one of their distinctions. In the Islamic tradition, the Masih, uh, the Messiah is supposed to be, or excuse me, the, uh, the Mahdi, which is a different concept, right? Isa is the Messiah, but before him comes the Mahdi. Hmm. The Mahdi is somebody who will be a descendant of the Prophet from Sayyidina Fatima's line, the daughter of the Fatima. And he will have his name, Muhammad, and his father will have his father's name, Abdullah. So his name will be Muhammad ibn Abdullah. And the other curious thing about it is Allah says that, or at least, excuse me, in the hadiths it says that the Mahdi will not know he's the Mahdi. And Allah will basically prepare him overnight, like in a very short time. Right. And so this is a man who may have not been religious or may have not been involved in the geopolitics of his area or whatever, but he will be prepared very quickly. Mm. So it'll become almost like a surprise. And when you think about it, look at the Arab lands, dude. They have all the money. That's why America has their geopolitical stake there. Why even Israel's their democratic friend there, because they're also there little bulldog to keep things, let's say, in check, because they have a lot of interest in what happens there. As we've seen, they've been in Iraq, they've been in Afghanistan, they've dealt with ISIS and Syria and all this stuff, like Lebanon. I mean, it's just nonstop, right? Mm. And so um, it's, it's, uh, you know, having Israel there also serves that purpose of geopolitics for the U.S. government and wanting oil, as well as the evangelical Protestant Christian right, which is the majority of the country of the United States is Protestantism. It's not Catholicism. Right. Right. That's the Christian sect that most people are. Mm -hmm. So it seems like the U.S. has a cudgel for it's like it's like the state of Israel is a cudgel for the United States um, existing and and having that last bit of power in the Middle East, like America having that last bit of power in the Middle East. And it's so funny that. this idea of like America's obsession with making sure there is a state of Israel. There was a clip a few months back that went viral of Joe Biden in the 70s. I believe it was in the 70s where he says that if there was not a state of Israel, America would create a state of Israel. Right. So that was like back in the 70s. Yeah. Recently, Joe Biden said it again, like recently in the last two or three weeks. Um, and I find that interesting because I thought Joe Biden was Catholic and I could be wrong on that, but I thought he was Catholic. But anyway, it's like, huh, okay. There is serious undertones of why the United States wants the state of Israel to exist. And it's been consistent with virtually every every president. Sure, Barack Obama may not have been as supportive of the state of Israel, as other U.S. presidents, and recently, you know, Barack Obama, he did come out and give a very general speech, or let's say, talk about what's happening right now, and it was it was pretty vague. But regardless, it does it's, it is interesting how the state of Israel existing is a cudgel for the United States. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, it, look, on the one hand, you could say it's a nice story, like the British and then later the U.S. really are trying to help out the Jewish people, right, after mm. World War II. Um, but again, people who do their his, history lesson and just do some more research will realize it wasn't that simple. You know, it wasn't a, mm. a vacant land that they were like, hey, this will be nice and convenient. Because remember, the British controlled that area as well. Right. And they competed right. with the Ottomans. And that's how they were also able to get the Saudi family into Arabia, um, was rebelling against the Ottomans and so forth. So they've had their involvement there. Um, but it wasn't a vacant land. There were people there. Right. And right. ever since then, this new ethnicity of uh, European Jews plus Jews coming from different parts of the world started to identify with their as a nation, nationalistic state. Mm -hmm. And so you could argue, okay, America wants it because of oil or because they really love the Jews or they really felt bad for them or their friends. But it gets to a point, right? It's like if I'm best friends with somebody who robs banks, kills kids in schools and hospitals, like – Am I still going to be like, yo, he's my best friend no matter what, and I will defend him no matter what? It's like, okay, loyalty aside, there must be some point where your conscientiousness, you know, your objective perception of things should alter um, mm -hmm. why you're, un, you know, undivided support for something. And what's tricky because, I mean, I'm an American citizen, so obviously I care if America gets too involved with this. And right now they're the only ones who are and want to support Israel. And we're getting boycotts. I think about nine countries now are boycotting Israeli businesses. Mm -hmm. We have, of course, now talks of other Muslim countries, whether it's Turkey, Iran, other groups like Hezbollah. I mean, we don't know if these people are discussing military um, advancement towards Israel or not, right? Mm -hmm. But that's the... That's what we're seeing in the news right now is like, is yeah. this going to become a thing where other people from the Middle East come in? And if they do, America has two choices. One is to say, mm, we don't want to, we don't want to fight. We don't want to help Israel fight Iran, Turkey, whoever else, right, decides to come in. Or they're going yeah. to say, no, we're going to help them, right? And... The day that the um, United States decides they're not going to help Israel, Israel's going to be in big trouble, mm. right? And that's, mm. of course, what they're worried about. Um, they're also, the reason why I think Muslim countries, especially the Arab countries, whether it's back in, when Syria and Egypt were fighting in the 70s, the reason why they stopped is because if they kept going, they would have to fight the United States too. And they weren't willing to take that challenge on. Sure. at the time hmm. right so are they willing to take that challenge on today i mean i don't think egypt would get involved but allahu alam hmm. but as far as these like turkey and iran we know they've always been kind of like badass in the sense of like we're gonna do what we want just like russia yeah. or <laughs> the united states like and israel sure. certainly like we're just gonna do whatever we think is best we, hmm. you know yeah so there's all that stuff up in the air um and i don't think from a eschatological standpoint as Muslims, we can say like, this is it, you know, this is all, you know, we just don't know how else this can unfold. Right. Sure. I mean, the next 25 years could get worse before it gets better. Yeah. Um, but this October 7th attack and then the Israeli response has been very, I mean, it's just been explosive and unbearable and shocking to watch and observe. And yeah. Even it just seems back, like it's just – go ahead, sir. I was just going to say, even thinking back to October 7th, I remember when Bibi Netanyahu, he had announced to the Israelis living in Gaza, he told them, like, you guys need to leave Gaza, like, get out of Gaza, right? And at that time, I was like, okay, this seems pretty, pretty serious for Bibi Netanyahu to tell – Israeli citizens to leave Gaza, like get out of Gaza, right? And then looking, and, and then what's happened since? It's like, yeah, he's not. He he never planned on holding back. Like he's like, we're gonna rain down hell onto 
the the people of, of Gaza, the Palestinians living in Gaza. Um, you know, when you mentioned earlier when we were talking how you had a, a former classmate from high school who reached out to you, I had a former coworker who reached out to me, and um, he I actually have his tweet here, his text here. Rather, I don't want to say his name. But yeah, uh, yeah, but can you share the tweet? The yes, I, I can send the or rather share the the text he sent me. So he said, um, first he asked me like, "Hey, what's up? How you been?" I'm like, "Good. How are you?" And he's like, "I've been good, brother. Wanted to check in on you. I've been praying for the BS with the war going on. Touchy topic, but my thoughts and prayers are with you and your family." I mean, what a what a you know when he's when he sent me that cream, my initial my initial reaction, my initial thought was was genuinely that non-muslims the standard you know the the regular non-muslim guy or girl who is living paycheck to paycheck the common folk they're not our enemy man like these are just common people common folk who they want to live paycheck to paycheck they actually don't want to live paycheck to paycheck rather they're trying to live you know, based off the fact that they're living paycheck to paycheck, they're struggling like us, right? They have their stresses, they have their anxiety, they have their worries, they have their things going on in their life. Like these people aren't our enemy, right? In fact, it's like where we should direct. Let's well, who say, said they were? <laughs> right, that's true. I, but I think what what we maybe maybe some of us who may fall into is that like, you know, regular folks they're not doing enough, right? regular people, non-Muslims, the common folk, they're not doing enough to, to help raise awareness for what's happening in Palestine. They're not resharing. They're not reposting. Well, they did it for, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter protests. Why aren't they doing it for us, right? And I think it's just a matter of, number one, like you mentioned, uh, with your classmate and his wife, that they had just had no idea what was happening. They genuinely had no idea. And, you, and I know that you and I did not learn about this stuff in, in history class going through middle school, high school. We didn't learn about this stuff, right? In fact, we had to do our own research when we got older, right? Or we talked to our friends who were Palestinian. Or in, and with you, maybe you have a distant relative or, 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 or someone who you know that's going that has been dealing with what's been happening in Gaza and Palestine. And so I just wanted to share that because I thought that was well, in, such in a... My, in my household... Huh. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to share that text from my coworker because I thought that was such a such a beautiful thing for him to do, you know, and it meant a lot to me for him to say that. It meant a lot. Yeah, no, I get your point. I mean, I think it's just showing, you know, the point you're trying to make is like random people or, you know, these two stories of, of our of people reaching out to us, it just shows how much it's affecting them. You know, like you're you're from your background's Indian uh, subcontinent, right? Pakistan, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like you're not even Arab, but he knows you're Muslim, and so there's that association, right? And so it's like his way of trying to relate or connect, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, I grew up in my household, of course, talking about this because Egypt had a war with Israel. My parents are originally from Egypt, so we have this as part of you know, the heritage and the historical context. And naturally is, I think Israel is a topic of discussion with just seeing Arab dads. Like we go to someone's house and they're always talking politics and Israel's always something they were (laughs) talking about. So growing up, that was something that was always in the background, Mm. you know, and of course, Jazeera was on a lot of my house, you know? So these are things that I, of course, you know, was in tune with for a long time. And then of being in a, school where most people were Jewish, that was constantly a reminder or a trigger of Mm. this situation, right? Mm. Now, if I was Palestinian, I probably would have had a very different experience, like Palestinian Americans who grew up in a similar situation. But yeah, but I mean, to me, it's like, I feel inspired to talk about it for the first time, like ever, in a public format like this because of mm-hmm. just seeing the world, right? Like mm. the, the humanistic solidarity. And, and, you know, to be very clear, I am not against Jews being um, living in peace and having a homeland or living in a country where they feel safe and can practice the freedom of the religion. I want that right. for anybody. Right. 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 Um, and just like when ISIS would do sick, disgusting things, 
we would crap on those people that identified as Muslim and said in the name of God. And, you know, that stuff is disgusting. Mm. Right. And so we have to be just and consistent in the principles. Right. And Mm. even as just a human science analyst, it's just this is why I think so many Jewish people in America and around the world have come out to speak against the specific actions of the Zionistic or, you know, far-right military regime of the state of Israel, right? And some stats say about 60% support the government and maybe 40% don't, right? So that's mm-hmm. still a lot of Jews in Israel yes. who are like, this is not going to make, this is not going to help our cause, right? We never agreed to all of these things or the way Palestinians have been treated, you know? Um, especially because so many Jews also know in their history that Muslims took them in after World War II as well. I mean, that's why you have so many, you have Jewish populations in Turkey and Morocco, in Egypt, because they went there after World War II mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. right? They didn't all go to uh, Philistine or the state of Palestine. Yeah. Um, and so that's not, you know, like when you listen to people like Ben Shapiro in these discussions and debates, it's like every time you say something that attacks the, or criticizes the you know disgusting actions of the military. It's like, oh, so you want to annihilate the state of Israel? It's like synonymous with that. Every right. time you are um, against uh, the the bombing, the carpet bombing, you want to cease fire. It's like that's not synonymous with wanting to annihilate the state of Israel. Okay, it's mm. it's it's simply synonymous with killing more people is not going to be a healthy response to to the injustice you experience from Hamas. Right. Even though, again, there's a long backstory to that, like who is Hamas? How did they get there? At some point, Israel supported them. At some point, um, you know, there is a lot of politics going on. They're not the only political Palestinian group. There's others. Uh, And even if you were if you want to get the um, hostages out, which I agree, I would hate it if my aunt or mom or child was a hostage in with Hamas right now. That would suck. Okay. But the Palestinians have felt like hostages for 75 years. Right. 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 They've literally felt like that. They're, they're hostages in their own country. People have been born and raised in this open air prison. And so we get school shootings in the United States because kids are bullied and can't get a girlfriend and they go nuts and go kill people. Imagine what, yeah. you know, the threshold of the people in, in these areas are experiencing. Right. Now, this doesn't. Uh, this is no excuse for terrorism or breaking international law or going even against the Sharia when it comes to martial combat. The Prophet right. taught us not to destroy property or trees or children or women, and you only fight those who are uh, on the battlefield. You don't go out of your way like to go, go run into a house now and get a family that's hiding and kill them. Like mm. We're not Vikings, you follow. Exactly. And so all, all of that is disgusting. And what Jews, Muslims, and Christians have in common is we believe in God. We believe he created us. He gave us the precious life of gift. And we're all going to die and return to Allah, God, the origin, and be accountable for everything we do. Mm. And so I, I, this is why you hear so many Jews say, like, never again. And they meant never again for anybody, right? The Holocaust or any type of ethnic cleansing. And this is why so many have been coming out and protesting and getting arrested I mean, I haven't seen one march for pro-Israeli military continue the carpet bombing. Yeah. The right to defend yourselves no matter what protests or marches. Like, why not? Right. You know? Why is it the other way around? Um, And, you know, this doesn't mean that Palestinians haven't made mistakes towards, let's say, Jewish citizens of the state of Israel before. You know, but if we really want a practical solution here, let's say best case scenario is a two state solution. Mm -hmm. This is not the way it's going to happen. Right. You're only going to probably create more militant, terrorist minded, desperate minded folks on the Palestinian side as a response to this. Um, And I also found that, you know, the Israeli military was so quick to respond to and Mm -hmm. very not just quick, but like exponentially harsher. Uh, Usually militaries are a little more patient. They have a little more strategy. They try to think things through. They try to think 10 steps ahead. Like what could happen if we do it this or that way? 
I mean, they if they're getting the support of the United States, they could have had special forces go in and find this, blocks, right? Yeah. I mean, at this at this point, I, I don't even know if my if I was an Israeli person with my family as a hostage, I'd be worried if they're still alive at this point. Seeing how many buildings and areas have been destroyed and the rubble, it's like, how do you even know if they're still alive? Like we have we haven't seen any clear evidence to my knowledge yet that Israel knows exactly what they're doing. They're just telling us, you know, things, but we're not right. seeing what's really being verified. Like Hamas's base is under this hospital or it's over here or this or that. Like, And maybe they can't reveal that, obviously, to an extent because of secret intelligence services and sure. so on, right? But yeah, I mean, I think they had the capacity to be a lot more surgical in their response, but it's been something else completely, yeah. you know? Um, and it's causing, uh, you know, I, I don't know how it's even going to solve anything at this point. Like, it just seems like it's, now we're just seeing the United States desperately trying to support Israel and feeling more and more alienated and isolated from the world, yep. but especially the Middle Eastern countries where, Israel itself has been trying to have better peaceful relations with them through the Abraham Accords and all that stuff. Like all those things, all that stuff is just being shot in the head right now. You know? Yeah. This war has been so much different compared to, let's say, the Iraq War, right? Because it's the first time in human history, which is interesting because you would think you would have, we would have seen so many more images and videos excuse me, from what's happening in Ukraine and Russia. But surprisingly, you don't see much happening. Like as, as far as like you don't see as much imagery and video coming out of what's happening in Ukraine and Russia, there were happening. But with what's happening in Palestine, right? We are seeing videos and imagery that are uploaded two or three minutes right after they were taken, right? We're seeing dead women and children and men. We're seeing men pulling out you know, their family members saving people from rubble or when they pull out someone, that person has already passed away. And so that's why this has war, this war has been so much different and the response has been different compared to previous wars. You know, there, there are, I've seen people's, some people's stories on Instagram where they've said like, man, imagine if we had this technology during the time of the Iraq war, like the atrocity, the atrocities were that were committed during that time and the fact that we didn't we didn't have smartphones we didn't have things that we can instantly upload to the internet right and if we did it would have been like immediately taken off or removed um so that's why the, there's so many things that let's say hadn't happened previously like your former classmate reaching out to you right or my former co-worker reaching out to me or so many more protests than ever in human history well let's say in the last few years especially like globally right i attended a protest here in dallas um about a month ago and it was i believe it was the biggest dallas protest for palestine and then i attended another one the following the following week and they've been having them about weekly for the past month or so there's one happening in austin today austin texas there's one happening in a few hours or so um there was a huge march, 300,000 people that marched in DC like a week ago, two wow. weeks ago. And people yeah. would not have heard about this protest if it wasn't for social media because I, I never saw anything from CNN that covered it or it's definitely not Fox, right? MSNBC, uh, you know, these sort of media None of the companies. major news channels reported on the dc march i didn't i didn't see anything from them what i did see the media companies that did cover it were like middle eastern media companies right like al jazeera or middle east Eye, right these people were covering uh the protests and so i um i it's a, it's a weird state for america right now because right right now as we speak the approval rating for joe biden has dropped in recent weeks because of his response to what's happening in Israel and Palestine. Um, there are a lot of Muslims coming out who's saying that they are not going to vote for, for, for Joe Biden in 2024. Right. Um, and then you have, for example, even Republican candidates for president who are running right now, who, although they vehemently support Israel, 
they actually would not help Israel if they were elected president. Like you have your Vivek Ramaswamy, right? He's this new hotshot guy running for president. He's on. He's a Republican, and he supports Israel, like to the T, supports Israel. But he's against sending them funding for their war. He's against giving them government aid, right? He would rather that that aid, that support be used here in the United States. So it's a weird dynamic, especially with the p- politics here within, within the United States, because I always grew up believing that the Democrats were not the party of war. That's what I always grew up believing, right? They were not the party of war. They, they, they wouldn't want to get involved with a war, but it's like, here we are, you know, we have a democratic president. It's actually the only, the only subject that Democrats and Republicans have always been on the same page around, which Mm -hmm. is support of the state of Israel. The support of state of Israel. And not just that, but also, I guess also war in general in some, in some regard, because there was like full support of the invasion of Iraq from both Democrats and Republicans after 9-11, right? Like virtually every person in a political position in the United States supported invading Iraq, right? Um, With like tiny exceptions here and there. But it is a different time. Like this time when it came to 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 what's happening in Palestine, it's different, man. You know, and social media has been such a big component of that. Right. No, it is a very different time. And it's one of the benefits, perhaps, of all the social media and everyone being on their phones. You know, it's Mm. one of those times where, wow, that's great that we have that accessibility. I mean, it's crazy to have live streaming. You could have live streaming from anywhere in the world right now, right? No matter Mm. what's happening. Um, And, of course, the next president and this conflict, I think, is a factor that people are going to be paying attention to in the debates and so forth. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a Muslim myself, like I wish and pray that people of faith can learn to coexist better um, as they have before. It's not unfounded. We've had many times of beautiful pluralism, whether it's in our contemporary times or in the past. Um, you know, the Jewish people are our relatives. They're people of the book. They're, you know, Semitic, like Arabs. We believe in the same one God. We believe in all the same prophets, right? With exception to two, right? Isa and Muhammad, Isa and Um And geopolitically, as an American, I mean, we don't want to see the United States go to war, man. You know, it's never good for us. Uh, as a country. Um, And the Jewish people who are, who have that consciousness of God, I mean, they know, and they've said it. This is not a, this is not a solution, right? To, to anything that, 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 reflects the principles of the Torah or our belief in God and, and the, he's the merciful one and justice. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's just such a awakening um, in such a different way for people. And I pray that we're able to, because if we had a ceasefire, at least things can cool down Israel, if it still needs to get in there, get the hostages, take out Hamas, I mean, that's their prerogative as a government. That's their choice, right? But at least be more surgical about it. Mm. Be more precise, you know? Right. Um, because Naturally, the, I don't want to see more mm-hmm. people die, but that's, right. you know, and, 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 and it, as, an, as a country, it's like you can still get rid of, let's say, your own local threats still try to maintain better relations with the countries around you and decrease the violence and atrocities on the people in your land. I mean, that's also just bad vibes and karma, man. You know, like there's, there's just, yeah, I'm just so shocked still at how impulsive and irrational it is. Right. Yeah. Um, 
Well, there there are people on the right, like there is this uh, political commentator Charlie Kirk, right? He was on a podcast a few weeks back, and he raised a really good question about how is it that you have the Israeli government who has probably the best defense system in the world, probably the best intelligence, right? How did they not know this attack was coming, right? And I, I don't want to get too conspiratorial, but it is, it's, an, it's a valid question. It is a valid question to ask. Like, you have the best defense system, the best intelligence. You didn't see this coming, right? So it's very interesting. Right. Um, and it's all set up to actually prevent these things, which was a huge, it's still a huge question mark and was before one of the first things I thought of too, is like, how did they not see this coming? Or how right. did this happen to the degree that it did? Right. And Allah knows best, man, but that's a whole other, that may also suggest or explain why the military response of Israel has been the way it is, because on mm. some level, they're also ashamed. Mm. They've let their people down. They've failed. And they, you know, it's like, you know, the big bully that everybody knows uh, on, on campus gets uh, sucker punched even though he's supposed to be the best fighter and in, as a response, because everyone saw that happen, he just now takes a, a bat and smashes this kid into you know, pieces, right? Yeah. Because it's his way of overcompensating this, you know, um, vulnerability hmm. essentially. Hmm. Right. So Allahu Anam, but another guy that's uh, interesting to watch is um, Colonel McGregor. Scott Ritter, they also are American military personnel that hmm. have very interesting analysis about all this. Um, and one of the things that they mentioned, which is also why it's important not to go to war or continue more of this, is um, the Israeli army isn't as solid as people think. You know, hmm. most of the people there do one year training and then they go back to their lives, right? Um, they're not like hardcore military, super in shape, you know what I mean? And so pulling on all these kids who are, one's about to get married, one was just at the, you know, partying, one was trying to do his PhD. And all of a sudden it's like, you guys got to arm yourselves, carry 60 pounds of equipment in the heat and start going into tunnels. I mean, they're not prepared for that. A lot of the soldiers or the military on call aren't prepared for that. And this is also why they would really need the U.S. military perhaps to get involved, mm. right? And the U.S. military, according to these colonels and other experts that I've heard, said we're not even that strong anymore. Like we're not as strong as we were in the 90s. It's a different military today. That's one of America has actually has had a problem and a, um, a decrease in enlistment in the last 20 years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's and a, so we're not in the same... Yeah. Well, because so Go many ahead. Americans, they feel this sense of betrayal when it came to like the Iraq war, the invasion of, 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 of Afghanistan. And it's one thing you mentioned earlier, it's like America getting into another war. Like we just got out of Afghanistan. We spent 20 years there doing nothing. We wasted trillions of dollars. Right. And it's like war after war after war. And yeah, I guess in some regards. But the U.S. But the U.S. also see. Remember, the the military complex sees this as a great business opportunity too. Yeah. So, and from another sense, it's like, well, if we go to war, you know, we also can maybe make some money out of it. We get or, some fat checks. Right? <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's possible, right? Especially if, you know, I mean, it's just so twisted, man. Like you could even see like. I mean, the uh, United States was giving Iran weapons or Iraq weapons when during the Iran-Iraq war, right? Mm -hmm. Because it was business for them. I, we get to sell stuff and they can take care, you know, we can let them take out themselves, right? Yeah. Um, so who knows how this is going to play out? Like there's so many angles to it. And uh, I pray, you know, that... With the protests, the voices, people having discussions, I, I really hope, you know, uh, people recognize the humanistic 
principle here that it's not about annihilating the state of Israel. It's not about accepting terrorist acts from Hamas or otherwise towards civilians. It's not about, um, you know, it being anti-Semitic, right? I mean, yes. it's such a misused word. Um, I mean, for God's sake, Arabs are Semitic. We speak a Semitic language. <laughs> Most of Hebrew was built off of Arabic roots because it was a more of a modern uh, language. Most uh, ancient Jews spoke Ar um, Aramaic mm -hmm. and even Arabic in the Middle East. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's really a, it's 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 people recognizing what Zionism as an ideology, as a nationalistic state. Um, making a Jewish, uh, making a religious group into a national one is what this is, what Zionism is about. And mm. it's gotten to a point where the principles of their own religion of Judaism is being ignored. And as we said, when Muslims observe this in their ummah, a group comes out and says, we are the right Islamic group and we're doing, they're doing crazy terrorist things, whether it's towards Muslims or others. We say that is not the proper implementation of Quranic principles, right? And, and martial combat are in their aims. And so I feel like this is probably a similar challenge that maybe the Jewish community is dealing with internally, right? Mm. It's like their version of that. But it is still different because it's actually a nation. It's not just a subgroup within a country sure. that's, you know, causing chaos. Um, and of course, this is... Uh, it's been identified as a safe haven, as a homeland for Jews for the last 75 years. So it's also not that simple to, you know, like on the Palestinian Arab Muslim side, we can't, they can't also assume that one day it's all going to be Palestinian and Muslim and Arab either. That's th this type of exclusivity, you know, or chosenness is dangerous regardless. Right. Um, but that's also a part of the construct on the side of, you know, Zionism. Right. Is there is a concept of exclusivity and for the Jewish people only. Right. And some argue they never wanted a two state solution. I mean, when you look at the map of Palestine from the 1900s till now, does it look like that's been evolving into a two state solution or something else? Right. Yeah. I mean, again, people just go, look, use your eyes. Yes. Yeah. Do you think we can learn those best? from like the Quran and Sunnah on Bani Israel, is there anything that we can learn from what actions Bani Israel did in, in the past, whether it's like breaking the Sabbath, whether it was worshiping the calf, the golden calf, and using that to try and understand Zionists today? Well, it's a bit, I think, again, I'm not an expert or a scholar on this subject, but Zionism, um, although it may have some religious fueling to it, right? It's, I don't think it's the same thing as examining the Judaic tradition or the historical religious experience of the Jewish people, right? Mm -hmm. Or the Bani Israel. Mm -hmm. Um you know, again, in the Quran, it refers to portions of Bani Israel who were not obedient to their prophets or to God. Um, and even when you go speak to Jews themselves, the experts amongst them, it's like, what is, it would be interesting to learn more about what is their understanding, those who have this one, of the divine exile, right? Like, mm -hmm. why did they, because they had the kingdom of Jerusalem at some point. They had yes. Suleiman and Dawood. They were kings. They were at the time that was their golden era. And so this is how it connects to their eschatology is they want that era to come back. A descendant from Dawood, David, will be their king Messiah, rebuild the temple, and they will experience that, you know, next golden age, if you will. Um, and so that may perhaps even relate or connect to why, you know, They've been they've been divinely exiled out of Jerusalem, um, specifically, for all this time, right? I mean, at the time of Musa Ali Salam, they didn't want to go fight, and Allah was basically saying, 
And Moses just got you out with all these miracles from Egypt. He was taking you to the land of Philistine or Israel. All you need to do is continue with your jihad or effort here, right? And look at the responses in the Quran. Like, oh, they have a big army. We don't want to deal with it. You, Musa, you go and I'll, you and your Lord go and basically come let us know when it's over. Right? That's just one story. Sure. Right? And you have, of course, how majority of them responded to Isa, mm. and how they were um, full of themselves and claiming we killed him and this and that. And Allah is correcting them from our perspective. Or, um, But the, the, you know, the point here is that you have even difference of eschatological interpretation amongst the Jewish scholars themselves. Right. And I haven't seen any except for those who are more affiliated with Zionism, who believe it's okay to be there in the way that they are or before the Messiah, their King Messiah returns. Right. Mm -hmm. There may be some Jews that believe we can't return from this exile until the King Messiah establishes the rightful, the righteous reign. Right. So from, you know, a pious Jewish person's perspective, they may look at this and go, this is not the righteous reign that we're expecting. Mm -hmm. That's why we don't support it. I mean, you have actual groups of Jews against Zionism or the state of Israel because of this eschatology. They, they think it's a dis disobedience of Allah in their creed mm. to be doing this, for example, right? right? So it's really interesting when you go into the those cross-sections. And I don't think religious eschatological narratives, whether it's from evangelical or Muslim or Jewish side, is not a part of the geopolitical processes. Of course it is. We're just not, people just aren't going to be blatant about it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but it is a part of it. And Allah knows best, you know, like what what all these politicians actually have in their personal belief system and how that influences their politics. You know? Yeah. I wanted to get your thoughts on something that I find interesting that a lot of us are experiencing when it comes to social media, seeing what's happening in Palestine, seeing images and videos of dead children, women, men, elderly. So the other day, you know, I was, anytime I open up social uh, social media, spe uh, specifically Instagram, I'll, I'll open up Instagram. First thing I'll see is like someone who's just died, right? Someone who's just passed away, like killed in a bombing, buried under a rubble, right? I scroll through that and I feel this like sense of hopelessness, number one, right? I feel hopeless. And then number two, I'll put away my phone and I just get back to doing any, I'll just continue resuming my life. What do you think that says about life, what this life truly means? The fact that I can scroll, see people who've just passed away, who've just been killed, and then I just resume my life, right? Like that for me seems, it's a very difficult thing for me to, to comprehend. You know, yeah. Well, on the one hand, humans can compartmentalize very well if they want to. Um, on the other hand, there's probably been days that I've had, and I'm sure you've had, where you've seen so much stuff that day, you just didn't feel like eating or feeling that much joy because we do have some level of guilt. Like I get to have this life and look at what they're going through. Right. Hmm. I've also had days of more gratitude. Like what am I complaining about? You know, my kids are healthy and they're smiling and you know, those things that bothered me about, let's say being a parent sometimes just totally took a back seat. Right. Um, and so it's, there's so many ways you can make meaning of it. I feel like there's going to be different emotions we're going to go through. Uh, we're, and I think existentially, it's just such a strange time where the world has been made small. As the Prophet said, it's one of the signs of the end of the time, right? We can travel across the world very quickly. We can get to the other side of the planet very quickly. We can see what's happening. We can hear news of anywhere in the world within a minute 
I mean, this is an age we've never had before. Hmm. I mean, the Industrial Revolution was only what? Like 100 years ago? 150 years yeah. ago at this point. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's not, it hasn't been long, dude. <laughs> you know, and, and things are just getting rapidly fast. Like before that, dude, we still didn't have electricity. We're still using candles and, you know, fire for light and stuff like that and cook, mm. you know. So the age that we're in, it's, it's almost like I, I can see how humans feel um, almost misplaced in it. It's because it's, it's just so rapid and how technology has impacted the nature of our relationships, information, understanding, abilities. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I'm answering that question, but uh, it's, uh, I think it's, it's, I mean, I've talked to clients, for example, they're just like, I'm trying not to look at the news because I need to like, I still have kids to take to school and, and I have to go to work and, and, you know, and it's become, it's like a turmoil for a lot of people. Just mm. like, I want to see what's happening. It's such a big thing. Mm. And lastly, I'll say on that point is it perhaps brings out the inner real realization that we're all part of the same family, right? Humankind mm. is actually one family, mm. right? From the perspective of Adam and Eve and, we're all relatives and to have something like this happen um, and other things like this have happened before. Right. But it's such a, I think, powerful example of our ability to unify and to care, to have compassion, despite our ethnic, political, religious differences that we've identified with before that. Right. And this is part of the reason why I want to talk about, I, we talked about this today because it's, it's just broken through into a whole new subject of mm. what it means to be human, mm. what's right and wrong, um, what, what principles and virtues transcend political, religious, ethnic boundaries. Um, and it's fascinating that this conflict is helping bring that out in so many ways, um, maybe because it's also at the center of the world, in the middle of the world, you know, right. the the city of Jerusalem has housed the three top religions of the world. Um, and of course the geopolitical implications of the middle East and oil and United States and their support for Israel or not, and so on. So all of those things I think has made, especially the American population, um, look at it maybe a little bit differently than ever before. Hmm. Yeah. That feeling of hopelessness that I mentioned earlier, right? Um, and I, this is the last question I wanted to ask you is even though the majority of us cannot physically go to Palestine to help, even if, whether it's like helping, pulling people from rubble, whether it's like with, helping with injuries, whatever it is, right? Even though we cannot physically be there, how can we internalize that even making dua is extremely helpful to the situation. What do you think about that? Well, what I think is, I just think of the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, he said that dua is the weapon of the believer, you know, and it's one of the greatest acts of worship, like one of the greatest acts of worship, right? And that it's not nothing. Like dua is not nothing. And that is difficult to internalize in today's day and age because everything's so materialistic, everything's so tangible, but it's not nothing. Dua is not nothing. It's direct communication with the creator of the heavens and the earth, direct communication. Not There's no intermediary. There is nothing in between you and the creator. It's direct contact to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if anything, I think that just reminding oneself that dua is the weapon of the believer. It's one of the greatest forms of worship. It is an act of help for the people of Palestine. Just that daily, almost almost like affirmations, right? Just reminding yourself of that will be a way for us to internalize that what we're doing, making dua is helping the people of Palestine. Absolutely. 
if the divine reality is real and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala controls all things from the cells and atoms down to everything, right? And on a grander scale. And in his wisdom, the story or the play, the theater of humankind will play out the way it plays out. When a human being calls upon God for anything, but specifically for the oppressed or to make you know things easy on people who are suffering, at minimum, you're showing compassion, you're showing affirmation in Allah's reality, and that he can he hears our prayers. As Allah says, call upon me and I will answer and I will hear you. Um, and that's why dua is a powerful tool, you know, because it's like a direct ray of light that you send up to the creator and you, you know, no matter what you see happening objectively, you your intention, your compassion is harnessed and sent up, right, to Allah. And you trust that Allah will answer that, right? And from an Islamic perspective, all those people who died are martyred in Philistine, you know? And they are in the best of places now. And we trust in that. Um, you know, part of the mercy is to be removed out of the oppression. Well, that doesn't mean they're going to get a, a ticket to Los Angeles and live in a nice apartment on the beach. It could mean they're, they're out of here. Their time is up and they're going to Jannah. You know, the greatest real estate. So, of course, making prayers to, you know, when we pray today in our sajda, asking Allah to make it easy on the people of Philistine and anywhere that people are suffering and oppressed, um, including the Jewish people who are kidnapped or who are also grieving the losses of their family. All of that is true, and it doesn't cancel out, let's cease fire, let's have less killing and murder, let's have more rational, peaceful solutions for these things. Like human beings have the resources where we can all eat, we can all have energy, we can all live without pollution and have clean water. We, ha we can do it, right? But everything else around our egos and our narcissism and our privilege gets in the way, right? Politics and all this stuff, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us and, you know, Hopefully there was some benefit in our discussion today. And um, those of you watching, listening, don't forget to subscribe, support us, check out Noman's work. It'll be listed as well in the description of the show. Subscribe and uh, support his work and uh, keep our brothers and sisters in humanity in your dua today, um, no matter who they are, and never give up the power of dua. Coffee Recording Podcast.